The reading there. Is. The reading today is from Ephesians five, uh, verses one through seven. It says therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as it is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partner, become partners with them. It's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, if I had been wise, I would not. I would have assigned someone else to preach after interviewing uh, Gary and Candy. <clears throat> so. Uh, that was an emotional time, but I'm so grateful for their willingness to share their story with us and to just kind of help settle our hearts. We've, we've had that and some announcements and events that are coming up and we've had fellowship over coffee. Let's just, just settle our hearts, uh, to open the word together and just pray. Father, as we come before you this morning and open your word, I ask God that you would settle our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, in the busyness of this season, we can easily, Father, set our, our relationship with you aside. I pray, God, that you'd settle our hearts. Lord, that we would prioritize you and your word. And ultimately, Lord, would we be amazed at who you are and what you've done for us through your son, Jesus. So I just thank you, Father. Lead us as we seek to be imitators of you. Show us yourself. Show us your love. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we're going to spend our time this morning on the first couple of verses. But I want to start by asking the question, have you ever imitated someone? Or are you, are you uh, humble enough to to describe maybe when you did imitate someone like when I was in junior high, right? And there were athletes that I wanted to be like and I had the posters on the wall and I would do the different things. You had to buy the shoes and it's possible that I may, as a senior in high school, I've grown some sideburns because I wanted to be like Luke Perry in 90210. It may have happened. Now, I know as you hear that, ladies, you aren't, you know, strangers to this. There was that girl who just had the hair and had, they, they just knew how to do the lipstick and the, and the, and the, the paint that goes on the face. And, and you've, you stood in front of the mirror and you looked. I mean, now they don't, don't even use the mirror. You got your phone. You're just like, you just kind of look and you just want, you got the shoes and you're like, I want to be just like them. 
Uh, from the look of your faces, I just think this kind of resonates. You have tried to imitate. And we have, there's something in us that we want to imitate. And actually, that is something that God has put there for us actually to be used for good. Though maybe when we were in junior high, we used it to try to imitate someone or some kind of dream of a person we thought we should be, God actually has that in our hearts. We're created in God's image to reflect him as this passage points us to. We are Christians. We're called to be Christians. Being Christians means being little Christ. It means we're imitators of Christ. So being in Christ means to be an imitator of God. So as we look here at the passage, it says, therefore, be an imitator of God. Now, right out of the bat, you're just like, it's a whole lot easier to imitate a, a movie star and change my hair. You're talking about imitating God. Is that, are you nuts? It's, it's right here. In, in the Bible. I, I get it. Like God's holy. Last week, we just heard a message out of Isaiah 6, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's proclaimed about God. How can I be like God in that way? Well, that we can't be like God in his, in his essence, but we can be like God in his character. We can imitate his character. Let's look at some some aspects of his character. We could spend all day just perusing through the scriptures of different aspects of his character, but here's just one passage, Exodus 34, 6. The Lord, the Lord, O God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, those are just some of the, the, the character traits that we can display. What does that mean to be an imitator? How do we do that? Well, it's, it's not a command to be a fan. It's not a command to be uh, by the t-shirt, to just support or admire the command, even in the, the original language of, of imitator, means to, to mimic, to copy, to be like him. That's what it's calling us to. Everything we do, everything you do, the goal is to become like him. So that when someone looks at you, when someone encounters you, it reminds them, it makes them think about the one who you are imitating. In the same way that a famous basketball player had a special shoe when I was in school, and when you saw those shoes and you saw that image, you thought of that special basketball player in our lives, when people encounter us, they should be like, there's something different here. I'm seeing something. Even if they don't know God, they should be able to see something. 
Do you look like him? What do people say when they look at you? Now, I, I feel like I can answer that question. I think people sometimes see an impatient dad. I think, I think sometimes people see, when they look at me, a friend who doesn't call enough and check in. I think sometimes people see a, a selfish husband. So I'm not here to say we're, we are going to be perfect, but this, the call is for us to be perfect as, as our heavenly father is perfect, to live a life that, that reflects God's character. Do we look like him? Are you kind of like, I don't. I don't feel like I look at him. I don't know if, that, if that's you. Like, I don't feel like I look at him. How in the world am I supposed to look like him? Isn't, there must be somebody else. This must be for someone else that you're talking about because they can do it because I don't feel like I can do it. So we have to answer the question, if we're called to imitate God, how are we supposed to do it? Just as a reminder, as we were in the book of Ephesians through the summertime, we stopped at the end of August. We're jumping back in now into the book of Ephesians. If you remember, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians were Paul teaching us about who we are in Christ. Before he gets to chapters four and five and six, which have all these practical applications that we walk out, we need to understand who we are in Christ. We live out of the riches of who we are in Christ. So even as we come to this passage, how in the world am I supposed to imitate God? We must remember we have to live out of who we are in Christ we become what we behold. Do you believe that? We become what we behold. You could say we become what we worship, what we set our affection or our attention on, whether it's a passive doing it or actively doing it. We spend, whatever we spend our time studying, that's what we become. When you think about the imitating of someone, like we talked about you know, what I did when I was in junior high and how I imitated people. What if you wanted to imitate someone like Michael Phelps, right? Whatever you think about him, uh, he has a few gold medals as a swimmer, right? And, you know, in, in the peak of his uh, achieving that, he ate like 10,000 calories a day. <coughs> And he, he, he did all kinds of other training, not like six hours in the pool and then all this other stuff. If you wanted to be like Michael Phelps, you realize, I, I can't be like him. You could train like him, but you can't actually be like him. But yeah, you could look like him. You could reflect some things about him if you put forward the effort. We don't become like God if we're just passive. We become what we behold. The scripture speaks about this in Psalm 115. The psalmist talks about idolatry. 
He talks about the fact that idols are deaf and blind and dumb and mute. He just kind of calls it right out. We're not going to spend a lot of turn there, but that's what he does. That's what they are. And, and the eyes, uh, you know, it, it, they have eyes, but they can't see. That's what he talks about them. These are idols. They, they have eyes, but they can't see anything. They have ears, but they can't hear anything. But then the psalmist concludes this in Psalm 115.8. He says, those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. We become what we behold, what we put in front of us. So I want to ask you, what are you fixing your gaze upon? Because I get this season, just like all kinds of stuff comes at us. Even the good stuff. Oh, we want to do the good things in this season of time and the memories and some of the good things that are happening. But what are you fixing your gaze on? Is it your bank account? Is it your dream car or your dream kitchen? Is it your bathroom scale? Is it your child's next accomplishment, the next accolade, the thing that they're going to get that you hope that they get? Is it, is it your phone? Is it the latest TV show, movie, series that you just discovered that was on TV 15 years ago and now I just need to watch every episode of that? I get it. The stuff of life is real. Like it, it screams at us. It's a daily fight. And I call it a fight because I feel it. I feel it as soon as I get out of bed in the morning. Maybe you feel it too, to tune my heart towards the things that transcend this life and this world. But I can tell you this, if we spend our time on lesser things, we will become like them and long for them more. We don't just imitate by accident. We, we imitate by getting before him. We imitate by gathering like this, where we are hearing truth about him as we open his word, as we sing songs about him. We're directing our gaze so that we can see him, so that we can, we can have our, our gaze directed to him. We want to encourage one another to be encountering God each day in his word. And then when we fellowship together, why do we do that? Because we want to focus our eyes on the things that matter, on the things that will change us. We want to seek his face. That's why we, we do things like the prayer meeting that we're going to do tonight. If you're like, I want to be more like him. I want to seek his face. Well, let's come together tonight and seek his face together. Let's be more, more aware of the audience of one than we are of the other people we're going to gather with around the circle to pray. I know some, like, it's like, I don't know if I want to go to the prayer meeting, because if I pray, people will think that I don't know anything. Because I think if I pray, other people might not want to follow Jesus anymore, because I just don't know how to pray. Do you ever feel like that? No, we don't come to pray so that 
that the person next to us can hear our voice. We come to pray because there is one who does hear our voice because of what Jesus has done. And we can seek his face. David said in Psalm 27, 8, you have said, seek my face. Let's have the heart. Lord, Lord, your face do I seek. That's what David said. We, we have to direct our gaze. But the thing is, is we, to direct our gaze, we're, we often just wait till life slows down. Because you feel the busyness of life. Does anyone else feel the busyness of life? You, you know, it, it was busy before Thanksgiving, and we, we just need to get through Thanksgiving. I don't, I'll set some of that time aside. I just need to get through Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, I've got so many gifts to get. So I've just got to, every moment of my free time, I've got to, got to take advantage of Cyber Monday and the sales that are going on at the mall. And I've, we've got this on the calendar and the work party. And, oh, oh man, I forgot about that person I've got to exchange gifts with. And I've, there's just stuff coming. Oh, well, I can do it after the new year. And the new year comes, and then oh maybe, uh, but but maybe I gotta watch the football that's on TV because the Super Bowl is coming, and I have I gotta get out and shovel the snow, and but but now then Easter is coming, and then after that, well the summer's gonna be coming. We gotta plan for our vacation. When I go on vacation in the summer, that's when I'm gonna. You get the picture. There is never a time that is convenient to stop. Ever. Let's just, let's just acknowledge it. There's never a time that's convenient to stop. But the scriptures tell us, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good because when you taste it, you're gonna want more. Like if you were here early and you saw the little kids, like they went to the table and they tasted something and it was good. You know, when you see children walk out into the foyer and their lips are solid white from a wonderful substance coating another wonderful substance, they have tasted something. And then they want, what do they want to do? They want to go back to the table. As much as I love donuts, God is so much better than donuts. Bad news is going to continue. Friendships are going to wax and wane. Thousands of voices are going to clamor for your attention. Hundreds of faces. Those of you who have little ones, you're like, yeah, the faces just show up right here as soon as I open my eyes in the morning. I experienced this morning, had one of the kids asked him, hey, are you enjoying that donut? They came right up to me. I could smell the donut. It was so close. There's faces everywhere that are clamoring for our attention. But there is only one face that will transform you. There is only one face that will transform you. 2 Corinthians says this, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we all with unveiled face, 
beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Our celebration that Jesus has come is because Jesus came so that he would go to the cross, so that he would pay the penalty for our sin. So that rather than shying away, rather than being in the corner when it came to God, rather than just constantly being afraid that God wants to just judge me and smite me, I can boldly come before the throne of grace where I find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Do you need help in time of need? You want to be like him? We need to behold him. Have you beheld his glory? How do you become an imitator of God? It starts with beholding him. There's not a list of of things that you must do and then, okay, yeah, I mean, there are practical applications of this. We've talked about them in chapter four. We're going to continue to talk about them as we unpack chapter five. Yeah, there are five. There are practical applications, but we don't do those things to earn something from God. We have to understand that we're just reflecting his character as we walk that out. We become what we behold. But I don't know about you, I feel like I have a whole lot of becoming left to do. I got a lot of it. Author Jen Wilkin just summed up my feelings well when she said, there is a vastness between what I am and what I ought to be. Thank you, Jen Wilkin, for just exposing my heart. But understand, friends, that vastness that you feel, that, that expanse that exists between who you are and what you ought to be is joined together and spanned that great vastness that you feel by the grace and mercy of God shown to us most fully in his son, Jesus It's only by the blood of Jesus that you can come before the throne of grace. It's only because of what Christ has done that you can behold him. Because you wouldn't be able to behold him without Christ. It's only by surrendering your life to Jesus that you can come and have a relationship with God. And when you do, he transforms you. Have you trusted in Christ to save you? He's not to save you from some ethereal thing. He's not saving you into a life of rules. No, he has made a way for you to have a relationship with the God of the universe who made you like him and calls you to look like him. It's only by Jesus that we can reflect and we can be like him. Because remember, like, keep, your, keep your hand in your Bible. Flip back to chapter four. Remember this. Chapter 4, verses 1, and then 4 and 5. Paul said, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We walk in that manner as we reflect God. But if you flip back even further, we walk in that manner for a reason. Look at chapter 2. And you are dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That's what it says in chapter 2, verse 1. But then in verse 4, 
In chapter two, it says, but God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, because of the great love with which he loved you, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, even when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I got to put it down because we can just keep going on there because it's such amazing good news. Behold him. He has transformed you. He's working in you. He is working And there's something in the text. If you look back at verse one, there's something in the text that really, that helps us. I know we've talked about, you know, practical ways that we can behold him. We want to keep him before our gaze. We want to focus on him. But you need, sometimes you need a a motivation. Like, why is it that I'm doing this? I know I want to do it. I feel like I have to do it. But look what it says. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Your imitators as beloved children. God has made you part of his family. We say you are loved every week because we want to be reminded every week that we are in the loving family. Even though maybe the family we grew up in, the family we're in now maybe has their issues, but we are in God's family and we are loved. We have a generous heavenly father. Because when we understand how much he loves us, we want to be like him as beloved children. You ever notice how kids in a loving home want to be like their parents? Whether you see the the daughter mimicking the, the actions of her mom. You know, I would watch my girls sit and and try to do whatever mom was doing in front of the mirror course they also mimicked me in front of the mirror like I didn't want them to look like me but they had this fascination with with shaving like every time I got the shaving cream out they wanted to sit right there and they wanted to shave and I'm like oh this is this could cut them they could die I don't I don't want them to have a razor and they had to figure out had to busted some razors up so that they could shave with me until I could find a Scooby-Doo razor, right? That was just plastic that we could have so that when they got together and there was just such joy on their faces, all I was doing was putting shaving cream on my face and taking it off, trying not to cut myself. And that was amazing. They wanted to do that every time. You guys have seen it. Whether you have children or not, you've seen it. We serve in Harvest Kids. They, when, when they feel loved, they want to be like their parents. Our Heavenly Father wants us to know how much we are loved. He wants to direct our gaze to Christ even when the circumstances of our life 
seem like they're falling apart. We've lost hope. It doesn't seem, does God love me? Does he care? Every time that those things happen, he still wants us to, to turn our gaze to his son so that we can be reminded if ever we question God's love while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you believe that you are accepted and loved? Do you believe it? I'm going to keep telling you until you do if you don't. Because another great thing Jen Wilkin said, that author, she said, children who know they are dearly loved imitate their parents out of joyful adoration. They want to be like them. It's not drudgery. They want to be like them. May we learn from the children in our church that we could be like them, have pure hearts. We want to be like him because we understand who God is. This is the manner that we're called to imitate. Not the middle school boy or girl who just desires to become different, that wants to be accepted, that wants to stick out. Whatever the motivations are that we had when we were younger, that we just tried to be liked by somebody. No, no, our imitation is, is to come out of a joyful adoration for a God who has welcomed us into his family. Do you believe your God is going to meet you right where you are right now? Because he is. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't know, I don't feel that. Well, you know what? He helped you to show up today because he wanted to speak a word to you to encourage your soul so that you can know that he loves you. He meets you right where you're at. Yeah, he's going to help you to grow, to be conformed to the image of his son. He's going to help you to be an imitator of him. But he never asks us to do anything that he doesn't provide the grace to do what we are called to do. Because being an imitator of God has so many facets and angles to it. But he speaks to one. If you look back at your Bibles, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love and walk in love. And lest we, we begin to have our mind go down the road and think that, that love is like what the world tells us love is. Because the world tells us that love is, is rooted in some kind of, of emotion that just kind of explodes out of you, like out of nowhere. And it's sustained by some kind of mystical force that, that keeps you, you know, in love with somebody. Because the world also tell you, yeah, if you don't feel it, you don't need to show it. If you don't feel love for that, that friend that you have, like, like that's something's happened between you. No, you don't have to love them. You don't have to love your spouse if you don't feel it. You don't have to love your kids or your parents. You don't have to love your parents. I don't, I don't feel it. I don't wake up. I've not met too many kids that wake up in the morning and go, oh, I just can't wait to sing the praises of my parents. I am so grateful. So grateful. Said no kid ever. <laughs> well, I think they do. The ones that get godly and they're godlier than me. Because maybe there are God. We have godly kids in our church. I wasn't one of those. But... We, God gives the definition of what that loves to look like as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. 
Because you might feel like, I don't want to do the love thing. Because you feel that tug. But the love that's described here is love that has no conditions. Biblical love is a choice. It displays sacrifice, not selfishness. The ultimate demonstration of that love is Christ's death on the cross. Remember Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 15, greater love has no one than this, than one should lay down his life for his friends. These are the underpinnings of even all the things that are going to happen. Like maybe you had your Bible open and you kind of scanned ahead. You're like, oh, look what's coming. Oh, we're going to be talking to some, going to be talking to the wives and the husbands here pretty quick. I really can't wait till my spouse sees that in there. There's some good stuff in there for them. Oh, and there's some stuff in there for the kids too. God, I love that. The only way we can do any of that the only way we can do any of that is to behold the sacrificial love of his son, to behold the king. Why do we celebrate the Advent season? Because God came near and he lived among us. He experienced the, the weakness that we experience the pain and struggle that we experience, the hunger that we experience, the sleeplessness that we experience, the brokenness of relationships that we experience. Not because we were awesome, but because he is. That's why we celebrate this Advent season of Jesus coming, because he has come. The incarnation is what we are celebrating. Because in this is love, as John said in 1 John 4. Not that we have loved God. It's not because we're celebrating us or showing off because we're just awesome people that people could come and see. No, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Which means God's God's wrath was turned away and his favor was brought to us. I love that word propitiation. We don't have time to unpack it or preach a message on it, but it's simply this. God, when we trust in Christ to forgive us for our sins, we no longer face God's wrath. But it's not just that our sins are forgiven. It also means that God's favor comes. We become his beloved children. And then John finishes by saying, well, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Friends, remember, remember when you in your life have worked hard to imitate someone. You worked hard. Maybe you feel like you're doing that now someplace in your life. It is absolutely exhausting because no matter how you look in the mirror, whether you're physically looking at it or functionally looking at it, it's never how you're perceived by those in the outside. It just never delivers. But 
imitating our God doesn't start with get it right. Imitating our God starts with coming where we are. It starts with coming broken, struggling, even feeling like there is no hope. Coming and being honest, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian and I feel like I got to be somebody that I don't feel like I am on the inside. Just coming, being honest and real. And sit at his feet. Sit at his feet. Be, be amazed at who God is and what he has done in Christ. Your his child because he chose you. He wanted you in his family. Others might not have wanted you in your life. You might be experiencing that right now. No, he wanted you. He wanted you enough that he sent his son to die for you. He sent his son to come live, leave his rightful place in heaven, in you know, ruling and reigning. He's the one through everything. Everything was created through him came so that you could have a relationship with him. So if we want to be like him, we need to start by beholding him. If we want to live out some of the things that we're going to be talking about, they're going to be hard things. That we're going to wrestle with things in our heart. We, we still have to have this in the backdrop we are beloved children, and he's calling us to be like him. And it's meant to be a joy, not a drudgery. Because when we fix our gaze on the audience of one women, as, as you go to the ladies' event, the, the goal of that is to direct your gaze so you weed out the other voices and you focus on one. You kind of push away for a moment the other faces, and, and some of those faces are good. Like you want your kids' faces there and your friends that you're with there, but for a little bit just so that you can focus on one and get close. And may we do that again tonight. So let's direct our gaze. Because what we behold, we become. That's how we become imitators of God, beloved children, because you are beloved child if you have trusted in him. Let's pray. Father, as we come this morning, <clears throat> help us to respond. We have heard a wonderful truth that you have brought us into your family. We are beloved children. Thank you for that. But Lord, just even right now, take a moment and just confess if your gaze has gone other places. If your gaze has gone other places, you've sought other things, you're, we're not here this morning to feel condemnation pressed under a thumb, but to experience his grace and to cast your cares on him. Ask for forgiveness for he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and just ask him, say, Lord, I wanna see you. You can say it right where you're at to yourself, to the Lord, he can hear you. I want to see you in the midst of where I'm at. We ask this Lord in Jesus' name, amen.